Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 82. And tonight, we're recapping Alice Isn't Dead, Part 2, Chapter 3, Abandoned Places. We've already listened to it, and we're going to spoil the hell out of it, because we know how this works. And you know what? I know that we've said it before, that there wasn't really a lot that went on in this episode, but seriously, there wasn't really a lot that went on in this episode. We could probably recap it, like, in about 30 seconds, yeah. I imagine. that Keisha manages to track down the woman who was leading the attack at the end of season one, and she finds her in a secret facility, Who and then the woman tells her to get out, and she leaves. And meanwhile, she reminisces about a vacation that she and Alice took to Bosnia and Serbia years ago. Yeah. And then at the very end of the episode, uh, Sylvia comes back. Yes, well, that, that was one, the interesting that. development that Sylvia's arrived. And Keisha's glad to see her because she didn't realize how much she missed the company before then. Yeah. And the rest of it is just atmosphere. Yeah, it <laughs> really was. It yeah. was a, almost a placeholder episode, mostly atmosphere. Kind of the way to describe the disparition music at the end of the episode. You know, atmosphere, yeah. I think. Yeah, disparition is a great choice for the Night Vale episodes and for the Alice Isn't Dead episodes because it works really well as background music, establishing a mood. But when you have like two and a half minutes of it at the end of the episode, I'm like... There's not really a lot going on here, is there? You know, Not really, no. I'll tell you, I did like one image that they had when Keisha tracks down the woman, you know, trying to track her in a semi-truck, which is surprisingly difficult, although not really. She finds this abandoned house and she goes into it and she's looking around and it's covered in dust, but she realizes that the dust in the kitchen is painted on. And I guess yeah. that would be so that it can't really show tracks in the painted on dust the way you could in real dust. But she does find a smeared fingerprint on one of the knobs of the oven. So she turns it and the floor drops. And it turns out the kitchen is a giant elevator. And that yes. creeped me the hell out. And I don't know if we've mentioned this on this podcast before. You and I both have elevator dreams, specifically oh, yeah. elevators that go wrong. And yes, I yes. had one the other night and it was stepping into an elevator and it just, I mean, sometimes it goes up a little and it goes down. You can't get it to go to the right uh, floor. This time it dropped. And I mean, it dropped yeah. fast. And then someone pulled an emergency cord from the center of the ceiling, but they had to hold onto it to keep the elevator from dropping more. So any oh, kind of creepy God. imagery with an elevator, it's always going to have even more of an effect on me than I'm sure it does on most other people. Yeah, here's a question for you. In the falling elevator, dreams are you usually by yourself or with other people it completely changes although I, you know i'm usually by my i think i'm almost always by myself i think mine. i'm always almost always with other people which yeah, is that's strange. interesting yeah it's talks about like if you believe anything about dream interpretation i don't believe that dreams can tell the future i don't know that i'm that quite um touchy-feely with stuff like that but i do think it's kind of an indication of your brain's running in circles and how is it going to interpret it in a way that you'll find makes sense. And I've heard that it kind of means that you sense that things are out of control. But I mean, what person in this world honestly thinks that their world is in control? I mean, I think if you think you've got any control over your world, you're just not paying attention. Right. You're probably kidding yourself. But I have heard the interpretation that I thought was kind of neat. Going up and down stairs a lot of times is you thinking about where you are in your job or your career, you know, going up or down or whether you're, you know, rising or whether you feel you're falling, 
And then with elevators, it's the same thing, but you're feeling that it's less in your control than it would be if you were on stairs. Uh, And with elevators uh, wildly going up and down and then dropping suddenly, I guess I'm a little paranoid about how things could go with my job. Never mind that we just, the company that I work for just announced that they're having another round of layoffs. Yeah, I... I work for the newspaper. That's like an axe that's been hanging over my head for a really long time. So that would definitely describe it. Except, I don't know, I think I've been having the elevator dream since I was in college. Yeah, I have, definitely. But that is kind of interesting that you're usually by yourself and I'm almost always with other people in a malfunctioning elevator in a dream. So, huh, I wonder what that says. I'm sure a psychiatrist could make a lot of money interpreting all that. If you have any uh, interpretations, please leave a comment. Yes. Also, if you've had dreams about elevators, also leave a comment. That'd be cool. (laughs) We've also had dreams about tornadoes, but I saw that video footage someone posted of a tornado going past while a bunch of people were inside a store. My dreams are nothing like that. No, because in my dreams, like, you can actually see see like even when you're close up on it you can see a very distinct funnel of the tornado and from what I understand it's not like that when you're up close to it you just see debris flying all over creation that's what this video is that was a cool we'll have to put a link of that in the description that was cool and the music that they put with it was a nice choice it was was that was very well done altogether yeah it's a shame that somebody had to lose their business while that happened yeah in case you're wondering it's a I don't think any of the people that you see in this video were injured, thank God, but a tornado goes by this business, but they're these people, they're just being filmed by the security camera, and oh my God, it takes them forever to just get away from the big-ass glass windows. Holy crap! But they do, and you get to see what a tornado does to the street. Oh, it's creepy. Yeah, it's totally very, very... But anyway, anyway, back, back to the actual episode, episode yeah. right? The episode that we really can't recap all that much. The discussion about being in Bosnia and Serbia, that was very interesting. The idea that, I mean, what it must be like to be in a literal war-torn area where yeah. your yeah. neighbors most likely were on the other side of whatever conflict it was where thousands of people died yeah. and, you know, family members. And there's all these tangents and relationships that were obviously affected by war. And at the same time, you still have to go on your mundane day-to-day life. It's it's really nice imagery that goes on for all that. And I like how she talks about she and Alice were actually traveling through. And at one point, there's this whole line of cars and people stopped in traffic and everybody getting out and talking to each other. And they're the only Westerners and the only women in the whole bunch. And they're sitting in the back trying to make their gender and their nationality as small as possible. And I thought that was a neat image. Yeah, I like that. I also like the image of the tree that she suddenly sees out in the middle of a grassy field and that the light yeah, catches yeah. it just right and it looks like it's on fire. And I think I think the phrase was she liked that reminder of how the miraculous can emerge from happenstance. That's neat. Yeah. I there's a what is it? There's an Instagram group. I want to say it's called the Lonely Tree Club or something, but there's something so compelling about a big huge field with just one single tree in the middle of it no matter what else is going on that's always going to be interesting you 
really need to watch Hannibal. I really, really do. I think there's. I, I think it's in season two where there's an image like that in the middle of a parking lot, but it's not what you think. Oh dear! If it's Hannibal, it's going to be disturbing. Oh which I yeah, love. yeah. Oh, speaking of disturbing. Oh, by the way, okay. So that was really all for the episode. I don't think we can really hash out the episode any more than that. No, no. I think that no. was pretty much it. If you wanna, if you wanna have some nice atmospheric stuff going on, you definitely need to listen to it yourself because us describing it is not really going to do a lot for you but um but yeah speaking of disturbing things that we can talk about Catherine was telling me that the other day she was like oh yeah i had just watched only lovers left alive and i was like i haven't watched that in ages now i'm gonna watch it so we've both seen it in the past couple days i you know i hate to jump to hyperbole but i really think that is just a perfect movie it I really is do. and it's just yeah. It's not what most people think of with a plot or a storyline or or action or anything. I love the trivia there that said that the director, there was some action going on in the movie, but when he was told he needed to add more, he removed what little there was. Yeah. 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 It's not an action-filled movie, but it's it's the kind of atmospheric I like. I mean, they talked about, what is it? (sighs) It was one of the tropes, because of course I jumped onto TV tropes, which had a lot about that movie specifically. And I think, I want to say it's almost called like set design porn or scenery porn or whatever. Collapse porn, I think, in um, uh, Paolo Basigalupe, I think is how the author's name is pronounced. He wrote a book called The Water Knife, and it's about the water wars starting in the very near future. And collapse porn is a thing. And it's actually taking all these pictures of... Just the slow crumbling of an entire city. Oh, oh my God! I know that, but we call it ruin porn. That's ruin porn. Oh, neat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I love that stuff. I follow a bunch of people on Instagram for stuff like that. Yeah, and that's it's a love letter to Detroit, but it's looking at how it's really fallen apart. And it was 2013. It's only gotten worse since then. I the mean, word that's... that the word that occurred to me when I first saw the movie was reliquary, and that is the little shrine that was made to hold bones or hair or fingernails or whatever of a saint, and it's kept yeah. in a church, whatever. This movie is like a reliquary for Detroit. Yeah, it's... It's just, it's so well shot and it's so well acted. I mean, oh my God, Tom Hiddleston, obviously, but then you've got Tilda Swinton, Swinton, who just can do no wrong and plays such a lovely character. I mean, it's the exact opposites of the spectrum if you consider what's it like if you're a vampire who lives forever. You're either going to be terribly bored and depressed that everything around you is just a reflection of decay or are you going to be a person who's just eternally fascinated by how things change and how they end up coming around and being the same again i mean tilda swinton is just she just there's a scene right in the beginning of the movie where she's looking around she looks she's watched these people play this game and then she watches a guy he's eating his lunch and he's doing something with a book and she's just so fascinated by everything it's and the really fact that amazing. when she goes when she leaves to go visit adam and what does she pack in her suitcase books, books. just <laughs> love that and her whole her house is nothing but wall-to-wall books and it's just so cool it's just amazing and then you've got john hurt oh which makes it harder to watch considering he passed away but at the same time it's it made it pretty neat too you know because we just it's it's like saying it was like saying goodbye to him. It really was just watching this movie again. It was like saying goodbye to John Hurt. Also, in a little way, saying goodbye to Anton Yeltsin. You know. Yeah. Oh, too. every time, every scene he was in, I was like, ah, 
he still had so much left to do. Yeah. He was just, his, his star was just rising. Yeah. But it's a really, if you haven't seen that movie, it doesn't even matter if you like vampires or not. Because if you like vampires, you'll really like this take on them. And if you don't like vampires, it's okay. Because vampires don't have necessarily all that much to do with the movie when you get down to it. It's really just more pretty, pretty people. Oh, so pretty. Oh, my so goodness. And Tom pretty. Hiddleston walks around without a shirt on most of the time. And it's oh, really neat. <laughs> we get to he- see him and Tilda Swinton in bed together. And... The nakedness is tastefully arranged, but we do get some very lovely side butt for both of them. So it's really... So cute. But then... So the other thing we wanted to talk about is right before we started recording, we've both watched the newly dropped trailer for Blade Runner 2049. What did you think? Oh, I love the sense of scale in some of those shots, those distant shots where it's just a room that's as big as a football field and it's all lit in glowing light and figures walking across the pass. That just jumped out at me, but it's... uh, It's really got, I think, a lot... I think the music has a lot to do why it felt so much like the original Blade Runner because they made a very deliberate attempt to get that kind of strange, melodic sort of... I don't know, trumpet noises that you had in the first one. Do you know who's actually scoring this movie? Who? Who? Johan Johansson, the same guy who did the music for Arrival. Really? And it's the same yes. director, too, so they must work well together. Oh, I cool. think they do. I'm, I'm all in. Oh, I heard that. the music was one of the things I loved about Arrival. Yeah, yeah. I've been listening to a bunch of the clips that have shown up on YouTube. Oh, and then our sister Hannah, which we'll put a link to this in the description, she sent us this recording of Johansson talking about how he created one of the songs I think it's the Heptapod song yeah. and all the things. And it's like a musical collage, like it's layers and layers of sound on top of each other and why he decided to do certain things. And uh, it's just brilliant. It's I really need to cool. see Arrival again, too. I mean, yeah, me know, too. That's, that's another movie that can stand repeated watchings. Yeah, I said I was going to watch it before it went out of the theater, but I'm pretty bad at movies. I'm pretty lucky I actually saw that one while it was still in the theater, and only then because it got a surprise nomination for an Oscar and they brought it back to the theater. So yeah, that's, that's about exactly the only way I see why stuff I saw it, too. Yeah. And then, of course... Guardians of the Galaxy is out, and if you go to pixelatedgeek.com, Leland has a review, and Leland really enjoyed it, and I've really been hearing nothing but good stuff about it. I think people really enjoyed it. Our friend David went to see it. He liked it. He said it was really good. funny. Good. He said, the, uh, he said the five post-credits or mid credit scenes, he said, were funny, but I'm just like, five? You yeah. guys, you, let's, yeah. don't indulge yourself. Come on now. Two is plenty. I don't know. I'm... I'm I'm never going to say no. It's not like I'm going to leave until they bring the lights up. So that's fine. Well, the, uh, another thing that's coming up on May 21st is the start of the new Twin Peaks season. And right. I am reading the book by Mark Frost this week, uh, The Secret History of Twin Peaks. And Ooh. it is, uh, let me get see if I can get the pronunciation right. The format of the book is an epistolary format, which means it's done entirely in journal entries and newspaper oh. articles and things like that. I love that. It's like catnip yes. for me. I don't know why. I just, I love that kind of format. And it's nice. I'm only eh, probably not even 10% of the way through the book, but it's nicely creepy. Though. And they're nice. doing lots of little shout outs to characters from the uh, old TV show and, you know, the history of their family 
families and all that stuff. So yeah, I'm I'm enjoying this. I think this is going to be good. So that's the same format that they used that Chuck Palahniuk used for Rant, right? Epistolary, isn't it? I letters? think so. Yeah, all interviews and journal entries and things like that. And I guess. Were there any newspaper articles? There might have been you know, about the different been, diseases yeah. that were running rampant when you know Rant was Seriously. around. Is there? Is it? What is it? Is it called an oral history? Is that a thing that they say? An or oral the... history, yeah. And I think that was the format for World War Z. World War Z. Book. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which I have still not. I've not read the book, and I've not seen the movie. But I have actually talked to people whose opinion I trust, who say, yeah. Go see the movie. They say that it's worth a watch. And it's nothing like the book, nothing like the book at all, but it's they say that it's still a very fun watch. I've heard that it's good if you can let go of the fact that it's not like the book, you know, because but of course, fair. the book would have been kind of tricky to do a faithful reinterpretation because right. it's not a standard plot. You know, it's a series of unconnected narratives, which is still fascinating, but it's not something you could normally make a movie out of, I don't think. I'm okay with that. That's fine. That'll wrap us up for the week. A short one this week. Make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all of the podcasts, all of the photo galleries, Catherine's book reviews, uh, comic book reviews. And I just had, as of Monday, put up finally the interview that our friend Jada and I got to do of the voice cast and some of the creators from Netflix and DreamWorks Voltron Legendary Defender, which is going into its third season later this year. And it's the second time that we got to interview those guys, and they are so fun, and they are so nice and gracious, and they all get along really well with each other. And I just, I really wanted to do something kind of fun with the interviews because it was like three different round tables that I edited into one thing. So I made my life difficult, but I'm okay with how it turned out. And there've been all these people who have found the review on YouTube. And what's so hilarious is they're jumping on two things. One, that a lot of the cast members mentioned Voltron outtakes, and it needs to be a thing. So just <laughs> talk to whoever you need to talk to. Voltron outtakes, we need to hear these at some point, because apparently they're really funny. But the other thing is that two of the characters, Keith and Lance, there is a ship out there called Clance, and one of the executive producers made a comment. They're like, oh yeah, everybody has you know found all these characters, and they found relationships, like Clance is a big thing. The fans are going nuts about the fact that she actually knows about Clance. I mean, <laughs> They just, like one person was like, you know, they quoted her line and they're like, she's onto us guys, you know? So yeah, Clance is apparently a thing. So go look that up on fanfic.net or wherever you find your fan fiction candy. <laughs> and so next week, we're probably going to do something different for our Thursday post because I'm heading to Florida and Catherine will be heading to Florida probably about a week after I get there. So we'll have some overlap. So we're going to have an episode that we record while we're down there, but that's not going to be until like two weeks from now. And while it's not tricky to record an episode while I'm in Florida, it is tricky to edit one. So we'll probably put up something on Thursday like, I don't know, maybe we'll do another fan art feature or something. A fan like art that. feature or a list. Lists are fun. I like lists. Lists are neat. But other than that, one way or the other, we'll talk to you guys uh, most likely in two weeks, but we'll speak at you in one week. Talk to you later.